Our need for rest is one of those topics we talk a lot about. I feel like it's like after you've had some conversation around like, oh, hey, how's your day been? Hey, how's your kids? That's almost always the next thing you're going to talk about. Like, how you feel? Oh, I'm tired. Oh, me too. Right? It's just part of our kind of daily habit of getting, you know, doing small talk. Um, And part of that, of course, is the fact that as a society, we tend to be one of the most overworked of developed societies, but over time, get less and less sleep. Do you know that there's 40%? So basically, one side of this, probably this side this week, of this congregation is not getting enough sleep day after day after day. How many of you have a Fitbit? Maybe a few of you do. Okay, so Fitbit was able to take all of this data, kind of put it together if you're wearing it at night. Creepy, maybe this includes you. Um, Here's the average Fitbit user. I think it's good information. On average, the average Fitbit user gets to bed at 11.36 and gets up at 7.17 with a grand total of six hours and 38 minutes of sleep. Y'all, that's not enough. Maybe it's because we're wearing our Fitbits or something. And you can see we get a bunch of light sleep. That light sleep reminds me of the time that I know that one of the kids is running into my bedroom. Great. We get just a little bit of that real deep sleep, that really restorative sleep, and then REM sleep, our dreams, is about an hour and a half of time. Our sleep schedules, I thought this one was fun. Um, For those of you who are baby boomers, you... uh, tend to be the earliest to go to sleep. Good on you. Uh, Millennials like me, we're getting to bed at midnight and getting up at 7.30. Uh, Our Gen Xers in in the house, um, you know, you're making your way towards the the baby boomers. Good good job. And our, like, Gen Zers in the room playing Fortnite and whatever whatever you kids do nowadays, not getting to bed until midnight, uh, too busy flossing on them. Isn't that... With, with your homies, I found out it's not homeboys, it's homies. The youth are telling me that, which is, which is good. Oh, let's wait a second to go there. But of course, it's not just work, it's all the other things that demand our time. You know, I, I, I feel like, you know, it's one of those kind of common grievances now that we all talk about together that I, I certainly agree with, that, you know, I can't believe that, that now we've, we've, got, we've got sports on Sunday morning, right? How crazy is that? We can't spend time even going to church because if our kid's in a travel league or we're doing that, we, we can't go. And I hear this all the time, and I say, yeah, it's kind of strange, even back in my day. And I'm 37, so back in my day is not that long ago. Um, we didn't have sports on Sunday morning. Um, boy, how many of you... Uh, go to work and then have some sort of uh, activity that you have to do afterwards. You know, you're committed members of your community. So I know around here we have people who are active in boosters clubs. We have people who are active in Kiwanis or any other regional activity. And then maybe you're active here at the church. You are a member of session. You're a deacon. You're a trustee. You're on a committee. You're doing all this stuff and you want to feel like you're, you're, you're faithful to this church. So, you know, you show up at labs every fourth Friday. Please do. This fourth Friday be awesome, um, but you're busy. You're scheduled. You're moving from one place to the other. Oh my gosh! How do we contend with this? Well, 
One thing that we do is we say, ah, well, we're just going to ignore it. We're going to work ourselves to the bone. I have a friend who would often say to me, well, I'll sleep when I'm dead. It tends to be an ethic, right? We're just going to kind of keep working, keep doing. We're happy about the, the life that we lead. And so why would we spend extra time and rest? It seems unnecessary. We're doing fine. Yeah, we might get sick every once in a while, but, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. The other thing that we can do sometimes is self-care, which has become this really big thing now for our society, right? It's, I, I love it when I want to research a concept, right? What I'll tend to do is I'll go to Amazon and I will type in that concept, that topic, right? And I'll just see what books and what things go on. And y'all, like self-care is like going in all sorts of directions. You can do, you know, sort of the basic, like, how do you do self-care? Self-care for educators, self-care for people in service industries, self-care for therapists. There's even a self-care book for witches. So if there's any witches among you, just know, and it's actually on the first page, no less, which is fascinating. I didn't realize that the algorithms felt like there were that many witches who required self-care, that that's the first thing that you see. But there you go. Here's a great little thing I found, winter self-care challenge. There are some great ones in here. Read a book while curled up in bed. I'm all about that. Get more sleep. Cat naps are acceptable. Day 19. I might move that up to day one. Uh, Any of those really stick out to any of you? Make a cozy nest or pillow fort. That sounds like a whole family activity, right? Well, I just, well, I just leave that to myself. We'll, we'll all do it together. This is how we're starting to think about how do we, how do we s- slow down? How do we rest? It becomes these ideas, and we'll talk more about this later, um, but this is an interesting way that we're trying to tackle this concept of we do so much and how do we actually rest. I think our text, though help us to think a little bit more about it as well. In our text today, I think there are three things that are really important to keep in mind. Between the Genesis text, which should be very familiar to many of you, you beginning of the world, God creates the world very good and decides to rest on the seventh day. And I also don't think this other text in Luke is terribly unfamiliar. This is one that we've heard, you know, Jesus has this tendency to go do something and then happen to disappear. We hear about that a lot. So these two concepts aren't terribly unfamiliar. So what do they tell us about the nature of God and the nature of rest? Well, the first thing I think is it's very clear that we are made for rest. We have to be. In our Genesis text, we read that God creates everything good and very good, including us. We are created in the image of God, male and female. Everybody in this world is created in the image of God, good and beautiful. And on the seventh day, God rests. We're created in the image of God, no matter who we are. And we were created good and very good. When it stands to reason, then we also should rest like God. So we're made for it, first and foremost. Because how, even more so, as finite bodies, are we made for resting? 
I would love to have the fullness of infinity that God has. But I can hardly get my kids ready by myself. Truth today. We barely got out the door. So how can I expect, if I can't even hardly get myself and my kids out the door, that I could be infinite and not need some sort of rest? So the first thing is, if God in God's infinite wisdom requires rest, how much more should we? The second thing that I think these two texts invite us to consider is that there is a sense of completeness in the tasks that were made before God and Jesus. God witnesses everything that's created, the whole mess of creation. Everything is done in six days. How efficient is God? However you define six days, whether it's literal days or infinities, either way, to be done with creating everything and still have energy left, that's efficient. And God gets it all done and says, Oh, this isn't just good. This is very good. It's a little icing on the cake. And this word tov, which is the word that's used in the Hebrew, is an interesting one because it takes all sorts of different forms in the language. It can mean things like good and merry and pleasant and desirable. It can mean in good order, usable, efficient, friendly, kind, and morally good. So here's the thing. God looked at everything that had been created, said things like, you know what? This is really good. This is really pleasant. Gosh, this is in the exact order that I would hope for. Things are efficient. This seems like a friendly place, a kind place, a morally good place. And after recognizing all of that, God said, I'm done need a break. There was a goodness in its completeness, and God moved to rest. And Jesus as well has a sense of completeness in our text today. As far as I know, when one is cured of leprosy, it is cured. There isn't a sort of like, Jesus only got the person sort of cured, right? The person begged Jesus and said, please, if you choose to heal me. And Jesus says, I do choose. So it's an action made on Jesus' part to heal this person. The action was completed. And then it's all of a sudden, wouldn't you, if you heard like, oh, hey, do you know this guy here just cured me of my leprosy? you'd start to chase him down, right? Jesus, after completing the action of healing, though, decides that it's a good time to walk away for a little bit. The completeness of this action, good and very good, holy healing made, and Jesus goes and rests. So, First thing, we are made for rest. Second thing, there is a sense of completeness in the task before rest. And the third thing is that it seems like the rest directs itself outwards. Jesus does not necessarily have a spa day, right? Jesus is not like, well, y'all, I just did some healing. Going to get my mani-pedi, and then I guess we'll get back to it. 
he goes to a stripped away place, desolate places that are often referenced in the New Testament to describe where John comes from, to describe where the Israelites wandered. These are places of stripped away miracles, right? Every time you hear about the wilderness, right, you hear about John doing amazing things, preparing the way for Jesus. You hear about Jesus meeting with the devil, overcoming the devil, overcoming temptation. You get to see in the, New, in the Old Testament, God literally leading people with smoke and fire, raining down food, raining down birds and, and manna. The wilderness is a place of miracle, and it is so exposed and so clear, you can't hide it. It's a place where life, I think, is more thin. What I mean by that is it's less chaotic, less driven by what's going on around us. It's away from the crowds, away from the people who are shouting, please do this, please help me, please heal me. Jesus walks away for at least a moment. And what does he do? He meets with God. He prays. He spends time with God. And then he heads back to healing. So what does this mean then for us? I think it means we can't avoid rest as much as we'd like to. We can't avoid it, or it will come for us in ways that we don't want. Ask any exhausted four to six-year-old after not getting enough sleep, and I will tell you, it comes out in ways that you don't like. And sadly, all we do is add some other layers of genteelness along the way. We still are the temper tantrum-throwing four- and six-year-olds of our youth. We just know how to handle it better. We're still tired. We're still grumpy. Doesn't seem like we're living into the fullness of what we could be. Nor do I think these texts invite us to consider rest as just a self-indulgence because, friends, our empty selves are too shallow of a well to draw from. If you are exhausted today, what makes you think that going to go sit somewhere for an hour is going to fulfill you enough to go out and do the work that you need to do? As much as I'd like to be infinite, I am finite. And I cannot draw upon myself to always get the energy I need. Or I think a little bit more generously, because I don't think all self-care is wrong, There's really a surprisingly active debate amongst theologians to say, well, is Sabbath self-care or is Sabbath not self-care? And everybody's got an opinion. But let me offer more generously, we should grieve that this is now what our society has to offer. If you are tired, go spend money doing something. If you're tired, go have to make something for yourself. As if somehow the best thing our society can offer right now is a pillow fort. And I grieve that. Because I think we're given more. And we're offered more. Than a pillow fort to make ourselves feel better. And to receive rest. Instead, what might it be like 
to find something that invites the completeness of tasks already completed and to move outwards. So yes, sometimes, and we've heard this all growing up, sometimes it is taking some time in our Sabbath time to rest and to pray and to withdraw and to do that kind of work. But, what if there's something else? Something that celebrates the good and very good and is outward focused. After all, another one of the passages that deals with Sabbath rest that we didn't talk about today is when the Pharisees complain to Jesus about healing on the Sabbath, and Jesus gently reminds them that, hey, The Sabbath is not meant to be so restrictive that we can't do the good and the right and the holy. It's okay to heal on the Sabbath because that is leading to the life of good and very good that we saw in Genesis after God was done and could rest. So here's what I want you all to do. We're going to have some participation today. On the back of the bulletin, you notice that there's a little bit of blank space down at the bottom. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to tear off that piece. Tear off a piece that will allow you to write on it. And once y'all are done, and you can get a writing utensil, there should be some on the pews or behind you or in front of you, I want you to answer this question for me. And members of session will will remember this question because I've asked it before. What is one thing that you enjoy so much that if you had the opportunity, you would teach it to somebody else? What is one thing that you enjoy more than anything else, that if you had an opportunity to teach it to somebody else, you would. It's that one thing that brings you life. Now, for me, when I did this before, I picked building computers. I really enjoy building computers. It's this exhaustingly minute activity, right? You've got to put cables in right places, but I, I just enjoy it. And part of it is taking what seem like these really kind of random technological pieces that not everybody spends a lot of time with, and I am able to create something that everybody uses every day, right? There's something fun about that. I love teaching people. How do you put one together? I've taken uh, old computers, and I've reformatted them with different operating systems. I've put... um, Apple operating systems on computers that shouldn't have them. I do all sorts of other stuff. I have these little Raspberry Pis. If you've ever heard about them, they're these little microcomputers. I have them all over the house. I just love that kind of stuff. And I would love to teach somebody 
Guess what you can do? It's not that I'm the best at it. There are lots of people who are much better at building computers than I am. Some people that make their whole living about it. But you know what? I enjoy it. It's part of make, makes me who I am. What if we were a congregation who just offered the opportunity for you to teach these things? What if you had an opportunity? I'm going to call out a couple of the folks who had done this in session. What if you had a chance to lead a gardening class? And we opened it up to the community. And we said, listen, we, just, we have some folks who really love gardening. It, it's their thing. It brings them joy, it brings them life, and we want to share that with you. What would it look like? People who have never gardened before maybe now have a chance to. Maybe there's somebody out there today who just wants a chance to be invited into a special kind of rest that somebody else really enjoys. Gardening. Somebody else had suggested on session last year that they really liked budgeting. It's the one that stuck with me the most over the last year. Budgeting. It brings them life. They enjoy the satisfaction of having a balanced budget because who doesn't? What would it be like to learn from somebody how to balance a budget in a way that you could see that the person teaching, it brought them life? It brought them satisfaction. It might be enough to encourage me to do my balance sheet at home. And friends, there is rest in that. There's rest in an opportunity to see the completeness of a task taught and to set it forward to somebody else. And whether you have a blank sheet right now, I don't believe it for a second. It just means you're hiding it a little bit deeply. Or you don't like to do participatory activities in worship. Either way. (laughs) Totally fine with both of those. Here's what I want you to do. I want to see them. I want to give you an opportunity to do this if you want to. I want to see what a church looks like when they actively give into Sabbath time, Sabbath teaching. They say, I'm going to do the thing I love to do that brings me life, and I want other people to do it with me. Can you imagine how vibrant this place would be? Can you imagine what it would be like every day? Oh, somebody's going to teach this class and somebody's going to teach this class. They just do it because they like to. What a world. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you would say, yeah, that sounds like something I do. I just want to know. So fold it up, put it in here as an offering to God of who you are your Sabbath self, your gifted, rested self. And maybe, just maybe, we have a chance to completely change this corner of Delaware. What would it look like to invite people into the Sabbath? To invite them into a rest that isn't just a pillow fort but brings forth life itself. Let's pray.
Gracious God, for all the gifts that you've given us, we give you thanks. We are so thankful that our rest doesn't have to just be about us, but can be about good things being done, that we can witness good things done and say they are good, and in that goodness, find rest. Gracious God, help us to not be afraid of what we can offer. And all this we ask in your son's name. Amen.